Coming into the season, Texas had aspirations of the Big 12 championship game and a possible college football playoff appearance. All of those goals are still in front of them, but they likely have to run the table at this point with one loss to reach them. So what can they improve on to increase their chances of ending the season with only one loss on their schedule? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, what can Texas improve on offensively and defensively, even special teams, to increase their chances of running the table and making it to the Big 12 championship and the college football playoff? And it's Monday, so you know what the third segment is, the Big 12 roundup, everything you need to know in your least favorite conference outside of the University of Texas. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The bye week always comes at the wrong time, I feel like, especially after that loss to Oklahoma. And I didn't know if I needed two weeks to reset, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, dealing with the emotions of rooting for this football team each week. Or if I was so mad about the Oklahoma loss, I was like, we need to go beat up on Houston this Saturday. But nonetheless, uh, I'm refreshed from the week off. I watched some really good football on Saturday. My best friend proposed, so it was a really good day for me. Um, hopefully you had a good Saturday as well and you're ready to get back on this train and watch this Texas football team hopefully dominate for the remainder of the season. You know, I said uh, I want to apologize because I said that I would be here with you all throughout the bye week last week. I said I didn't know what I was going to talk about, but I would be here. And that was not the case uh, because I am 30 years old, right? Freshly 30, but 30. And I have yet to get my wisdom teeth pulled. And they say the older you get, the more you should just think about keeping them, right? And so every year, at least once, maybe twice, I get a really bad toothache. And that toothache came last week. And for 48 hours, I was just completely useless. I still went to work, right? But I had no chance of coming on here and talking about Texas football with half of my mouth, right? Two days in a row. So that is why you did not see me that much last week. But I'm back now. Toothache subsided. We are good to go. And I know somebody's going to get in the comments and tell me to go get my wisdom teeth pulled. I work in dental insurance, right? So I know how important it is. I'm just a little bit crazy, right? All right. Now it's talk, time to talk about the Texas football team. And all of their goals are still in front of them. Five and one, one of the best teams in the country. You lost to one of the best teams in the country. You still can control what you can control, which is going out there and proving every week, being one of the best football teams in the country and putting pressure on the committee. Right. You control, you know, your own destiny in terms of the college, uh, the Big 12 championship, hopefully, if West Virginia or another team loses again. But in terms of the college football playoff, you want to put pressure on the committee to determine that Texas is one of the four best four teams in the country, right? Georgia at this point looks like a lock. Michigan at this point, they have a tough schedule, but they certainly could be a lock. Penn State, Ohio State look really good. Florida State, uh, Washington, you know, there's a bunch of teams, right? So Texas, Oklahoma. So Texas certainly has work to do to convince the committee they're one of the four best teams in the country. And they're going to have to improve on a lot in all three phases to get to that point. And I'm going to start with the offense because the offense has a scoring problem. And I know what you're thinking, John, you're crazy. You don't have your wisdom teeth pulled at age 30. This team is scoring 30 points every week. What do you mean we have a scoring issue? 
like what I said, this Texas team has a scoring issue, but I get it, right? They're explosive coming into the weekend. They were one of the highest, you know, flying offenses in the country, at least total yards wise. They were 13th in the country in total yards coming into this weekend, but 27th in scoring. Now, 13th is really good. Quinn Ewers came in. He's matured on and off the field. He's been better than he was last year. Jonathan Brooks is giving you Bijan type production. The wide receivers and tight ends have been better. Steve Sarkeesian has been better. The offensive line has been better. So, 13th is good, but they were 27th coming into the weekend and scoring. So you would think that an offense that can get yards at the 13th highest clip in the country would be able to score around the 13th highest clip in the country, but yet they were at 27th. Now, I'm not sitting here banging my head against the wall saying 27th is bad. It's not elite, but it's certainly not bad. And relative to the other teams in the country, it's really good. But based on Steve Sarkeesian, the talent we have at quarterback, the talent we have around the quarterback, you would think we'd be able to score at a higher clip, especially at the clip that we're amassing those yards. But even if you think that's not too big of a concern, right, we could probably still score at the same rate we have been and likely, you know, only lose one more time or run the table. Right. Because this Texas offense is that good in the red zone is where it's gotten really, really bad. And it's really, really concerning if you think this Texas football team is championship level, right? When we look at red zone scoring percentage, when this Texas football team gets inside the opponent's 20, how often do they score a touchdown or a field goal? 83%, which is below average. That is 69th in the country. So as explosive as we are with all of these playmakers at the quarterback position and with Steve Sarkeesian, we are below average in scoring this year when we get inside the opponent's 20. And we saw, right, that culminated and came to a head against Oklahoma, where on four straight goal-to-go attempts at the one-yard line, you could not score at all, right? That's part of these numbers. But it gets even worse when you talk about touchdowns, right? Like I said, it culminated with one yard to go, four tries, you could not score a touchdown. And that has been a theme for this Texas football team this year because forget below average, they are bottom 10 in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. When they get in the opponent's 20-yard line, within the opponent's 20-yard line, they are only scoring touchdowns at a 46% clip, not even 50% for 123rd in the country. And I don't know how you fix it. Quinn Ewers obviously could be a little bit more accurate down there. Uh, Jonathan Brooks could run a little bit harder. The offensive line could get more of a push. Steve Sarkeesian could call better plays. Maybe the pass catchers can run better routes. I'm not sure what it is. But I can't convince myself this is a championship-level team if they're below average in red zone scoring percentage and absolutely abysmal in red zone touchdown percentage. So to run the table, to improve, to increase your chances of making it to the Big 12 championship game, the college football playoff game, or a college football playoff in the second half of the season, you're certainly going to have to improve on your red zone scoring. Now I want to talk about the passing game because I feel like, and I felt like since last year, the passing game has been a little bit limited. Like we could do more with our passing game based on what we saw with Steve Sarkeesian, Mac Jones, and Tua at Alabama. And I have two numbers here that are indictments on Texas passing game this year. And I think one of them is on Quinn Ewers and one of them is on Steve Sarkeesian, right? We brought Quinn Ewers into this program to not only change the trajectory of the program, but we felt like we couldn't execute our full playbook or our full offense under Hudson Card or Casey Thompson. And so Quinn Ewers, we, he was supposed to be brought in as really one of the most talented quarterbacks ever to grace the University of Texas, right, to help us open up the whole playbook and attack defenses in all areas of the field, especially down the field, right, those 20-plus yard throws. And we saw last year – that Quinn Ewers was not great at that, right? But we thought, okay, second year, more talent, Steve Sarkeesian better, better offensive line. That's something that we would be able to master this season. 
That has not been the case. On throws 20-plus yards down the field this year, Quinn Ewers is 6 for 23. That is slightly better than 25%. That is not going to cut it, right? So we thought that we could open up the whole playbook. The deep passing game would be there. We got players like Xavier Worthy, uh, Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, Jonte Cook, all of this, and we still are not able to attack defenses down the field. And maybe that's the reason that that Oklahoma defense was able to get everything in front of them and win that game in the Red River rivalry last Saturday. So six for 23 on throws, 20 plus yards down the field. That is not going to cut it. That's not going to be able, it's not going to be good enough to beat the best teams in the country. I should say Quinn Ewers has been really good this year. He's certainly improved, but we're still not seeing that deep accuracy that we brought him in to execute, right? And Quinn Ewers is certainly talented enough to complete more than a little bit better than 25% of his passes, 20 plus yards down the field. The talent around him is good enough to be better than that. And Steve Sarkeesian is too good of a play caller for his talented quarterback to be six for 23 on throws 20 plus yards down the field that is limiting this offense that is limiting this passing game Quinn Ewers needs to be better on those tougher throws down the field to really you know push this offense forward in the second half and you know like I said earlier with such a bad red zone scoring issue you need to start scoring outside the 20 (laughs) and hitting those passes 20 plus yards down the field will certainly help with that now I'm putting this on Steve Sarkeesian and I've said once again that the passing game has been a little bit limited going back to last year. And I felt like so many of our passes were screens or behind the line of scrimmage. Right. But I never had the numbers to really quantify that or say, oh, this is crazy or this is not right. Twenty seven percent of Quinn Ewers passing attempts have been behind the line of scrimmage for comparison, because I'm not sure if that sounds like a lot or not. Right. Caleb Williams is only attempting twenty one percent of his passing attempts behind the line of scrimmage. This is not a direct comparison. It's not even really apples and oranges because I'm going to the NFL now. But Brock Purdy, who none of us believe in, who we all think is a game manager, is only attempting 16% of his passes behind the line of scrimmage. And we call him a system quarterback, right? I understand, you know, Steve Sarkeesian may be saying I'm only going to put things on Quinn Ewer's plate that he can handle. And going back to last year, we said he needed more layups, right? He does need more layups for sure. But 27% is too many layups. We're all of this explosive talent around him with Quinn Ewer's explosive talent himself and Steve Sarkeesian's ability to scheme plays and design plays, we should not be throwing more than one out of every four passes behind the line of scrimmage. And I think that's bogging down our offense. And that's a reason why we're not scoring at the same clip that we're amassing yards because our passing game has been a little bit too conservative. I understand putting, you know, things on Quinn Ewer's plate that he can handle. I understand giving him some layups, but This offense has some of the most explosive talent in the country. And week in and week out, we are watching explosive quarterbacks drive the ball down the field and make plays within their offense. And yet, week in and week out, we're watching Quinn Ewers, who is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country, throw a bunch of passes behind the line of scrimmage, and we're hoping our playmakers can make tackles. It's happened. We're 5-1. and We're one of the best offenses in the country, so it's not too much to complain about. But I think if we want to be a championship team at the end of the season, we're going to have to trust Quinn Ewers a little bit more to throw that ball a little bit further down the field, especially not throwing 27% of his passing attempts behind the line of a scrimmage. That is an egregious number, especially with all of the talent we have on the offensive side of the ball. A quick word from our sponsors, and I'm going to continue the conversation about what Texas can improve to try to run the table in the back half of the season. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually 
tastes good, full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more, constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. Fit for all times, watching a big game or your kid's game, tackling work or working out, whatever you need to do, and the best part, no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions do apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. All right, continuing our conversation on things that can improve in the second half of the season. And just to be clear, I'm not saying these are things that are hindering Texas or these are things that we're doing poorly, just things that we can improve on if, like I said, we want to be a championship-level team, right? I take those words seriously, and you have to really hit on all cylinders at that point to be a championship-level team. I think we need more production from our running back two spot. And this is not a huge win because I think Cedric Baxter is a true freshman. He's going to continue to get better every week. He's also dealt with a lot of injuries. So maybe we haven't seen the full 100% version of Cedric Baxter uh, since the Rice game, which was week one when he got hurt. And then Jaden Blue, who I think has been explosive in his opportunities, just hasn't had enough opportunities for it to really uh, have an impact on this Texas football team, especially when most of his touches come in garbage time when Texas is already you know the the score is already decided i should say as of right now from our running back two in terms of just running the ball we only have 67 carries for 287 yards that's 4.3 yards per carry and one touchdown in six games now obviously jonathan brooks is leading the power five and rushing i believe maybe not now after the bye week but he's one of the top rushers in the power five one of the top rushers in the country so right with his running back one production that takes some pressure off of the running back two but I still think we need either Cedric Baxter or Jaden Blue to really get going in the second half of the season to take this offense to the next level and who knows that could add to our scoring issues or could help our scoring issues or our red zone scoring issues I should say so more production from the running back two whether that be Cedric Baxter or Jaden Blue I'm not saying either one of them has been bad thus far but I think if they can help take some pressure off of Jonathan Brooks that'll help take pressure off of this offense as a whole we need to incorporate more of our young, talented wide receivers, right? I said coming into this week, Jonte Cook and Isaiah Nayor, who are two very talented receivers, only have five catches this season in six games. Steve Sarkeesian came out after the Oklahoma game and said he was kicking himself for not including Jonte Cook in the game plan even more. I really think he never planned to include Jonte Cook in the game plan, and then they lost, and he was like, Ah, you know, that's on me, you know, but nonetheless, right. I came into the season saying Jonte Cook is one of the most talented receivers in the country, even as a true freshman. I really meant that Isaiah Nayor, the last time we saw him healthy, he was averaging 20 yards of reception. You can't tell me those two players can't help this offense. Ryan Niblett has track speed. You can't tell me he can't help this offense. DeAndre Moore, a polished wide receiver for a true freshman. He's had drop issues, but so what? Give him an opportunity. You can't tell me that he can't help this offense. I know that Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and Adonai Mitchell are, are, are in a class of their own, and it's hard to take them off the field. But we can throw some four wide receiver sets out there with Jonte Cook, Isaiah Nayor, et cetera, et cetera, get them more opportunities to be more explosive in this passing game and hopefully put more points on the board. So I think it's absolutely criminal that through six weeks, Isaiah Nayor and Jonte Cook have combined for five catches. But that's something that we can fix, improve on and change for the remainder of the season. And hopefully they get some more opportunities. It's one thing to say we have 
one of the most talented wide receiver rooms in the country. It's another thing to show that on the field with production and based on our wide receiver rotations the last two years, that just really has not been the case. Too many wide, too many talented playmakers, period, sitting on the bench while this offense is struggling, especially in key moments. Burt Auburn, right? We're talking about special teams. And Burt Auburn is one of my favorite players on the team, but we're going to need more production from him or better production. I should say last year, he missed only five field goals, right? He was 21 of 26 for 81%. You'll accept that. You want a little bit better than 81%, but only five field goals on the year of college. Like I said, you'll accept that. Texas went eight and five. No harm, no foul. I don't remember Burt Auburn losing any games for us last year. I could be crazy, but I don't remember. I don't remember him losing any games for us last year. This year, he's already missed five kicks, right, on nine less attempts, 12 of 17 for 71%. That is absolutely not going to cut it, right? He has to be better, and there could be a game in the second half of the season where it truly comes down to Burt Auburn winning or losing the game. Not a game where we lose by three and he missed a field goal. Not like that. I'm talking about, like, at the end of the game, his kick determines if we win or lose, right? And based on him missing five kicks already, based on him only hitting at a 71% clip, I don't have full confidence in him. I know the fan base doesn't have full confidence in him. And I'm not sure Steve Sarkeesian has full confidence in Burt Auburn right now. But he's your kicker. And like I said, getting into the teeth of the Big 12 schedule, there will be a game or there could be a game where Burt Auburn has to win it with his legs right now, already five missed kicks, only 71% accuracy rate. That could be a problem in the back half of the season. We need more from Burt Auburn to reach the highest goals that we have for ourselves at the end of the season, I should say. Now we're moving on to the defensive side of the ball. I think the defense has been better and a little bit more consistent than the offense, but certainly some things that they can improve on if Texas wants to, like I said, end the season with only one loss on their schedule. Last year, we saw this Texas football team was really explosive in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback, right? They did a really good job in the second year of uh, Pekakowski and Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Gary Patterson uh, on the staff. This defense did a really good job, and this last year was kind of the year that they came into their own and really started to look like a respectable unit. But we saw them generate a ton of pressures last year, right? They were constantly getting pressure on the quarterback. But those pressures didn't lead to sacks, right? And we saw in one of the biggest moments last year where you got pressure on Bryce Young, and he ducked that Ryan Watt sack and ran for 20 yards, right? So that's the big difference between pressures and sacks. Obviously, you don't want to poo-poo pressures. You want to get pressure on the quarterback and make sure that, you know, you're giving him a tough time, making his job hard. But there's a big difference between getting pressure on the quarterback and actually getting his ass on the ground, right? And this year, it feels like the Texas Longhorns defense is getting a ton of pressure and making life hard for opposing quarterbacks but they are below average again this year in actually getting to the quarterback and getting those sacks 67th in the country in sacks. And so, like I said, the defense has been really good. The defensive line has been explosive. They've generated a ton of pressure and really in five of the six games they've played, they've made the offense look abysmal on the other side. So I think that they'll be good for the remainder of the season. But like I said, if we're talking about a championship level team, you have to start generating those pressures into sacks. You have to start actually getting the quarterback on the ground 67th in the country and sacks so far tells me they're generating a lot more pressure but not finishing plays which could lead to another loss on the schedule in the back half of the season another thing i want to talk about the defense they've done a really good job of limiting offenses getting offenses off the field they've done a really good job in the red zone on third down all of the key metrics but explosive plays they've given up some explosive plays that's on the linebackers that's on the safeties on the back end corners when they're on the island not getting the best coverage and the pass rush getting pressure but not getting sacks right obviously you can't generate 
uh, explosive plays when you're on your back. The defense this year has allowed 21 plays in six games of 30 plus yards. That's runs and passes. So it's not horrible. Right. It's about average, you know, within college football. But average teams aren't national championship contenders. Right. Average teams aren't college football playoff contenders. And I don't even think average teams are conference championship contenders. Right. So this defense that has been really good has had the tendency to give up big plays this year. Like I said, 21 plays of 30 plus yards this season. They're going to have to be better. In allowing, they're gonna be have to they're gonna have to be better. Jeez, I always forget how I want to say things, right? They're gonna have to be better at limiting those explosive plays, those 30 plus yard plays in the second half of the season if they want to be a championship level team. There we go. But the defense has been really good for sure. Turnover margin. We are 51st in turnover margin. That's above average, but still too close to average. If we're talking about one of the best teams in the country, we are only plus one on the season. Now, of course, uh, you know, that happened last week because we had three turnovers and didn't force any. So now we're only plus one. But like I said, we're 51st in turnover margin. The best teams in the country don't turn the ball over and force the other team to turn the ball over. And we haven't done that at a high enough clip in the first half of the season. I think we need to be better that better at that, Lord, in the second half of the season to be a true championship-level team. And then penalties, right? The best teams do not beat themselves. And I just talked about that with turnovers. Secondly, with penalties. We haven't been bad with penalties. We're way above average, actually, 25th in the country. But the reason I put penalties on here is because you absolutely control it, right? There is not a single penalty penalty that you can commit that you can't control, right? And right now, this Texas football team is committing five penalties a game. So if we're talking about reaching our full potential and being a championship-level team, then I don't think this Texas football team should beat 25th in penalties. I don't think they should be committing five penalties a game. I think they should be in the top five to top 10. They should be a disciplined football team because I saw them do it on the road in front of 100,000 people against Alabama. So if you can be disciplined and not give up penalties and not beat yourself against Alabama, then don't put yourself in a position to do it against every other team on your schedule. So like I said, 25th in penalties, five penalties a game. It's not bad relative to all the rest of the teams in the country, but you have way higher expectations than every other team in the country, or most of them, I should say. And 25th in penalties, five penalties a game is certainly putting you in that threshold of you allowing yourself to beat yourself and you don't want that to be the case so everything i've mentioned are things that all teams at some level struggle with and every team in college football right now has multiple things they can improve on right but like i said we're talking about this texas football team possibly running the table we're talking about this texas football team achieving goals they haven't achieved in over 10 years whether that be the college football playoff which they've never been to or a big 12 championship you know, win, which they haven't gotten since 2009. And to do that, there are some holes on this football team that they're going to have to, you know, plug up and fix. Like I said, if they want to, you know, have a chance to run the table in the second half of the season, a quick word from our sponsors. And then we're getting into the big 12 roundup in our last segment, some really interesting games in the big 12 conference over the weekend while Texas and Oklahoma were idle. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And now Price Picks offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this 
football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Repeat offer vanity. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I was supposed to say that. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college code locked on college for your first deposit up to $100. And also, as I told you earlier, this episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by GameTime. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account after downloading the GameTime app and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Game Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. That always happens when I don't read the ad beforehand, which I'm supposed to do. So I'm telling on myself a little bit and I just start reading the little disclaimers at the end. I'm like, oh, that's what's to read that. So I apologize for everybody that's still listening up until this point. All right. The Big 12 roundup. And like I said, Texas and Oklahoma were idle. So obviously Big 12 football was weak and boring this weekend. Just playing. Just playing. There were some good games. Starting on Thursday, West Virginia and Houston played. And this game was crazy, right? I know that a lot of Texas fans which is crazy to me, but <laughs> we're watching this game, hoping that West Virginia lost just so we could be in pole position in week six to make the Big 12 championship game. But nonetheless, that happened, right? West Virginia took a touchdown or took either a four or five point lead with 12 seconds left, right? Like it was that type of game, right? Where you're like, damn, fire Dana Hogerson, fire Houston. What's going on, right? This is like one of the worst teams in the country. Until Houston completes a tip drill Hail Mary to win the game on the last play and stun West Virginia 41-39, to 39, one of the best games you'll see in college football this season. And the result benefited the Texas Longhorns with Houston beating West Virginia, who was the other team outside of Oklahoma going into the weekend that had not lost a conference game up until this point. Houston 41, West Virginia 39, another instant classic in college football over the weekend. Iowa State and Cincinnati, two teams that are going in completely opposite directions. Iowa State looks like a complete mess at the beginning of the season. They lost to Iowa, which they always do under Matt Campbell. Then they lost to Ohio, and Matt Campbell tried to fight an Iowa State fan. Plus, we know in the offseason, the whole team, I'm not saying not the whole team, but some key members on the team were gambling, right? You know, and betting on Iowa State. Some of them were betting against Iowa State. You know, that's how crazy it was. And so it just looked like, damn, like Matt Campbell, this team is in shambles. He should have left a long time ago. Poverty program, right? They've now won three of their last four and their only loss, even though it was a 30 point loss, was to Oklahoma, who looks like one of the best teams in the country. Cincinnati, who started off two and oh, have now lost four in a row. Right. And are looking like almost every other team in the new Big 12. Right. Not competitive, <laughs> you know, especially with Emory Jones. So a good win for Iowa State. They're really starting to click. looks like on both sides of the ball, like I said, outside of that drugging uh, by Oklahoma and certainly a team in Ames that might give Texas some trouble later on in the season. We know the, the struggles are well documented uh, between Steve Sarkeesian, I guess maybe even Quinn Ewers in that 3-3-5 defense uh, that Iowa State likes to deploy. So we'll see what happens later on in the season. 
in Ames, Iowa. BYU 11, TCU 44. This was such a weird result because TCU coming into the game had underachieved. They had lost to West Virginia. They had lost to Iowa State. And they had started to look like what everybody thought they would look like, a team that lost so much NFL talent they just wouldn't be able to recover from it. BYU is a team that's competitive every year, and somehow, some way, they were 4-1 and going into this game, right? And in a down year in the Big 12, but nonetheless, still, they were looking like one of the best teams in the conference. And then TCU just drugged them, right? 44-11, to 11, and now BYU has a lot of question marks, and I'm even more confused about the TCU football team. I don't know, but a good bounce-back win for TCU, scoring 44 points. BYU, very disappointing based on the way they had played the first five weeks to go into Fort Worth and lose a game like that when you thought you could be one of the most competitive teams in the conference. And then Kansas State 38, Texas Tech 21. The Big 12 makes absolutely no sense this year. Kansas State just looked horrible on the road against Oklahoma State last week, losing to a team they had no business losing to. And then they come back and beat Texas Tech on the road in maybe a tougher environment by 17 points. Their true freshman quarterback, their backup quarterback, had five rushing touchdowns. So I'm not sure if we'll have to play against Avery Johnson or not. I'm not sure what happened with Will Howard, why the backup quarterback was even in the game to rush for five touchdowns. I don't know. But he's explosive. We talked about, you know, I guess it won't matter because we're going to the SEC. But they certainly have a true freshman quarterback that should be really good at Kansas State for years to come. And he was really good this weekend, rushing for five touchdowns against the Texas Tech Red Raiders, where college football and the Big 12 goes through. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My tooth is fine now. No more toothaches. I'll get my wisdom teeth pulled. Maybe I'll be back all week for Texas Longhorns football coverage leading up to the Houston game. Hook them. Peace.